Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. Those of you joining us online, we're really glad you're with us. If you're at Saratoga today, so glad you are in worship in Saratoga. What a wonderful congregation. Half Moon, we're so glad you're showing up strong and uh, vibrant for God. And thank you, Latham, those of you who are in worship physically. We're so, so glad to be together and connected. Well, I did it this week. Did something I've never done before. I had my first impossible burger. I really did. I gave it a try. Now, I want to see a show of hands at all of our locations. How many of you have had at least one impossible burger? Could I see your hand, please? 722, exactly, beautiful. I don't know how you felt about it. I was rather impressed. And I understand that since 2016, when this burger was first offered, it has become one of the more popular options at places like Burger King and White Castle. It's also sold the uncooked product at grocery chains like Kroger and places like Walmart and so forth. I believe that plant-based meat is here to stay for sure. Now, for me personally, while I enjoyed my Impossible Burger, don't tell anybody, but I actually had two. I really did. I had two Impossible Burgers. I got to tell you, I will probably always love an all-beef hamburger grilled to perfection out on the patio with all the fixings. I mean, in my mind, that is just a part of summer. That is hard to beat. Is anybody with me on that? Yeah, we got a lot of meat eaters in the house here. Uh, I feel you on that. That's, I'll probably always enjoy that. But here's the deal. I admire, I truly admire companies who are trying to reimagine what the burger experience can be. Or think with me about another example of reimagining. One of the more popular fitness clubs here in the Capital District is called Vent Fitness. We have, just across the road from our Latham campus, a Vent Fitness, where many of our staff, a lot of our members, and some of my own family members go there to work out, okay? And they have as one of their taglines reinvent yourself. So in that, they're encouraging their members to kind of reimagine what fitness can look like, that you can have a whole new journey of health here if you kind of, you know, reimagine and restructure and rethink this thing. I believe there's a lot of power in reimagining. And so that's why I'm frankly real excited today about starting a brand new series that I'm simply calling Reimagine. Now, Christ followers, please hear this part. What I want us to reimagine together today and in the coming weeks in April is the power of God, his presence, and his potential in us. Here's the mind-blowing fact. The power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you and me is a game changer. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. 
That is a wild, radical idea that God had, and it wasn't always that way, as we're going to find out. God doesn't always come to dwell in people of faith, but in this new covenant, in this age where he has launched his church, he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to literally dwell inside of you with my spirit. And that's us. Those who really belong to Christ are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, by God himself. But here's the question. Since that is true, how do we access that source of strength in our daily life? That's what we want to explore together. How do we actually access that presence, that power, that potential in our daily lives? That's what this series in April is all about. So if you've ever felt like your Christian life was a little bit humdrum and you wanted more than that, I'll tell you, now's the time to lean in. If you've ever wondered, is there more to the Christ-following life than just barely hanging on by your fingernails and getting by? I'll tell you, this is going to be a month where God is going to bring some radical, revolutionary things in our lives if we have open minds and hearts to hear what he wants to say to us. So I urge you during these weeks to be ready for some radical transformation. I believe God is working in my life. He's working in your lives. And I think he wants to do something that is going to bring glory to his name. Now, some of you may be sensing, wow, Keener, you're kind of pumped up today, dude. I mean, is this going to be a series all about psychobabble? Is this going to be a series where Coach Keener kind of pumps up the troops and sends us out with a pat on the back to go win the game and conquer the world for Jesus? Not at all. Is this going to be one of those series, pastors where, Pastor, where you just kind of tell us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and think positively? Absolutely not. This series is going to be straight off the pages of Scripture. This series is going to be one searing truth after another, straight from God's heart to us. Because I'm convinced that God wants to change us from the inside out. So today, as we launch together, I want you to grab your Bible or however you're reading scripture, and I want you to open up to Romans chapter 8. I consider Romans 8 the Mount Everest of the Bible. This may shock some of you, but if I had to get rid of all the rest of scripture and just choose one chapter, thank God we don't have to, right? We got it all, and that's wonderful. But if I had to get rid of all of it and just keep one chapter, I think for me, it would probably be Romans 8. That's why I call it the Mount Everest of the Bible. And it is just filled with stuff about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. So today, I want to call this eight power pills from Romans 8. You got that? Eight from eight. It says a whole bunch more than, than that. But I want to choose eight things here. These are things that I ponder every single week of my life, and God is changing me. He's not finished with me yet. That's good news. 
My story's not done yet, and I'll tell you, your story is not done yet either. So with each one of these, I'm going to ask you to reimagine what this truth would mean in your life. Now, one other thing before we launch into the first one. For some of you, because you may be new to this, this is not going to be reimagining so much as it is imagining for the first time. Maybe you're new in your faith journey. Maybe you're a brand new Christian. Maybe you've just not had a chance to study the Bible all that much. That is fine. I get that. But whether it's your first time to hear it or whether it's something you've known for years, but maybe, and this happens, maybe you've just lost the wonder of it a little bit. I want to encourage all of us to reimagine what God wants to do in and through our lives. So here's the first one. I reimagine the truth that no one can condemn me. That's number one. And it's found in Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a truth. Now, people will try. Condemnation is abundant in our culture. But if God does not and will not condemn you, why would you let some hater make you feel condemned? I'm talking to people today and even your own family dehumanizes you and puts you down. Some of you have been put down all your life and you feel a huge load of condemnation today. You may need to confess this every single day. You may need to start every day of your life by looking at Romans 8.1 and just saying it over and over and personalize it. There is now no condemnation for Rex Keener. Put your own name in there because I am in Christ Jesus. Now listen, I'm not exaggerating when I say that one practice could change your life and it might save you years of therapy. Really, nothing wrong with good therapy if it's rooted in the truth. But this is a game changer, and it has changed my life to know that there's no more condemnation when I am in Christ Jesus. If God has forgiven me and condemns me no more, why would I allow others to throw me into a prison of condemnation? According to Romans 8.1, that's done with. There's no more condemnation for me. Now, we could just close our Bibles right now and go home, and that would be a good word, would it not? I mean, some of us just need to receive that in our spirit today, but there's so much more here. Let's look at the second one. I reimagine the truth that I will overcome death. That's in verse 11. Verse 11 reads, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, people in our culture are obsessed with beating death. We try to find supplements. We try to meditate. We try health kicks. We try formulas, anything that will keep the monster of death away from our door. We want a fountain of youth 
that will keep us from dying. Now, please listen up. Becoming a follower of Jesus Christ will not keep you from getting old. Does everybody hear that? Just want you to know that. It's not a fountain of youth pill. You will still get old. But because of Christ's atoning death that has forgiven all of your sin, the grave cannot hold you any more than it could hold Christ. You will rise again. According to Ephesians 1.14, his spirit in you is a deposit guaranteeing that transaction. A local restaurant here used to have a dessert that they, you know, offered to everyone, and it was called a happy ending ice cream sundae. Any of you remember those? I... I ate about a million of those years ago. It was usually served in a little baseball cap, if you'll remember. It was just a cute little thing. You could take the little baseball cap uh, helmet home with you. And the idea behind the happy ending Sunday was that no matter how you felt your meal was, if you absolutely loved it or if you hated it, at least you had a happy ending, right? That was the idea behind it. And sometimes this world doesn't serve up a life that you enjoy very much. Would you agree? Just like you don't enjoy some meals very much, sometimes our life is just not real enjoyable. I mean, come on. Relationships can really disappoint, right? Health can go bad. Children can go astray. The people we trust the most can let us down. But here's the deal. Because of what Christ has done for you and the Spirit's presence in you, get this, you have the guarantee of a happy ending. You will overcome death. That's what this passage declares. And friend, that is good news. Now, I just want to remind you, a quick reminder, all of these promises, all of these truths we're reimagining today are for genuine Christ followers. If you're not a Christ follower today, we're so glad that you're listening. It's an awesome thing to do. I pray that you'll ponder what you hear today. I pray that you will consider, as God gives you the grace to do so, the claims of Christ. But what these truths say are to genuine followers of Christ who've been born again by his spirit. Here's the third one. I reimagine the truth that I am a child of God. Now, this one is found in verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Is that you? Are you a son or daughter of God? This chapter, by the way, says so many awesome things. But it says that you are actually a co-heir with Jesus in the kingdom that is to come. In other words, your identity is as a king's kid. Again, this is not Coach Keener just trying to pump you up. This is searing truth straight off the pages of Scripture. Can you imagine that? You got clout, buddy. Are you able to reimagine what that means for you? Now, you see, for some of us in this room right now, for some of us listening right now online, 
This should be particularly relevant because maybe in your life you have felt stripped of human dignity. Maybe people have marginalized you and put you down, but you have the identity of royalty now. That's who you are, a son or daughter of God. Now, please watch this closely. The enemy of your soul who wants to kill, steal, steal and destroy, he will try to rob you of that identity. We all know that in our world right now, identity theft is a big thing, right? You even get insurance for that. You can get insurance for identity theft. It's a huge racket in our world today, identity theft. You know who started that? The devil. It's one of his main strategies and tactics. He comes to you and tries to tell you that you are not who you really are as a child of God. He'll try to bully you into believing that this doesn't apply to someone as imperfect as you. But when he does, just show him this verse. And as a child of God, your identity in Christ is not up for grabs. Friends, that is a game changer. But there's so much more here. Let's look at number four. And by the way, I meditate on these every single week of my life. And God is changing me through these truths. They make a huge difference for me. I reimagine the truth that I am no longer a slave to fear. That's the very next verse here, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Years ago, when I was a, a really young preacher, I'll never forget a, a seasoned minister was having a conversation with me, and I asked him, because I really looked up to this person, I said, look, I really love preaching, and I, I really want to be the best preacher I could possibly be. Tell me, you've been at this for decades, what do I really need to do to be a good preacher? I'll never forget his answer. He said, now, son, you need to know two things if you want to be a good preacher. And I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like ready to, to just devour these morsels that he's going to get. He said, you need to know the Bible really well, and you need to know people really well, and then maybe you can be a good preacher. I'll never forget that advice. And I want to tell you, for decades now, I've tried to be a student of human nature. And you know what I've concluded? In watching humans, us humans, really closely, I've concluded that most human beings, perhaps the most powerful driving force in our lives is fear. Fear. Can you reimagine what your life would be like if you were not driven by fear so much? I mean, it would be amazing. Fear of what people think. Fear of failure. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of not being enough. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of not looking the way you want to look. Fear of being rejected, of not being in the in crowd, of not making the grade, of not making the cut, of not having enough. 
Fear of not being loved. I mean, these fears drive the lives of so many people. Can I tell you something? The one in you, Christ follower, is immensely more powerful than anything you fear. Can you receive that today? Immensely more powerful. You've no doubt heard that old acronym for fear, right? F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That's exactly what Satan would get you to fear. It's just smoke and mirrors. And he wants to grind you down with all of these frets and anxieties about the future. Corey Tin Boom said, worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And I just want you to reimagine today what it means that God, the Holy Spirit, is actually in you. He's not just around you. He's not just way off somewhere. He's not just when we gather in church like this. He's in you. He goes with you wherever you go. And God is bigger than any real or imagined threat in your life. Number five, oh, these are good. I just, I just devour these every single week right out of the pages of Scripture. I reimagine the truth that in all things, God is working for my good. Wow, this is a good one. Verse 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, is that you? I ask it gently, sensitively, I don't know. Is that you? The reason I ask that right now is because, hey, listen, I, just a gentle reminder, everything we're saying today is for people who are in the family, people who have yielded their lives and surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, you are Lord. I am not gonna hijack and run my own life anymore. I yield my life to you. You are Lord. I am not. You are worthy. I am unworthy. I repent of going my own way and doing life my own way, and I yield my life to you. That's a Christ follower. One who is led by the Spirit of God in that kind of way and who loves God and passionately desires to please God. You've been saved by God's grace through faith in the finished work of Christ. That's who this is talking to, just saying. So if you give this promise to someone that doesn't fit that description, you're just blowing smoke. You're just blowing smoke. So here we go again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. I know of no more comforting promise in scripture than that. It's almost too much to take in. But here's what I've discovered as a pastor. A lot of people, when they're in the pit of despair, have trouble believing that. I believe the folks who appreciate the truth of that verse the most are those who've got a few years on them and who have enough experience now on this journey where they can point to something and say, yeah, I remember when I was so angry with God for allowing something in my life, I wanted to curse God. You ever been there? I have. You want to curse God? How could you possibly allow this in my life? And yet, 
Years later, you come to the point of realizing, wow, was I ever twisted in my perspective. God used even that. God worked even in the midst of that to help deepen me and strengthen me and shape me and transform me into his image and glory. I believe those are the people who can really appreciate this verse. You've seen it firsthand, how God can turn tragedy into triumph. Is that you? Now, if you're in a proverbial pit of despair today, I just want to urge you to remind yourself of this. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. The end of your story is not written yet. God just has this way of bringing triumph out of tragedy, and he's working in the midst of all you're going through for your good and his glory. So Romans 8, 28, what a game changer. I mean, it calls all of us to reimagine a redemptive ending to your story that is far, far better than the one you're living right now. But let's look at number six. Number six. I reimagine the truth that if God is for me, who can be against me? That's verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you ever feel intimidated in life? Do you ever feel like the deck is kind of stacked against you? Boy, I, I want to tell you, as Christ followers, we're kind of beginning to feel more that way, I think, in our culture in the West. Because our worldview, our values, the biblical truths that we embrace and live by are increasingly marginalized. That is undisputable. And this says that you and God are a majority. That's a game changer. This urges us to live for an audience of one, knowing that it's God's opinion that truly matters in the end. Now, lots of other people's opinions matter right now and can influence your life, but in the end, it's ultimately God's opinion that truly matters. Number seven, I reimagine the truth that I am more than a conqueror. This is verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Have any of you ever heard of the Nike Corporation? It's just this little startup company. You ever heard of the Nike Corporation? A couple of you. Yeah, shoemaker, athletic apparel. Pretty big success story over the last few decades. That company's logo, the swoosh, comes from the contour of the goddess's wing, which symbolizes the sound of speed, movement, power, and motivation. The word Nike in Greek is the Greek goddess of victory. Now, when Paul, when the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, 37, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we are more than conquerors, he used the Greek word Nike. It's pronounced Nike, 
in Greek, and it means victory. Did you know that was in the Bible? And he actually here uses a compound word. It's actually huper nikaio is the word he uses. Hyper, huper in Greek, is a prefix that means super or abundant or more or intensify. And again, nike means victory. So when Paul puts these two words together, huper nikaio, and uses it in the verb form, nikaio, what he's saying is that, look, in Christ, you are super abundantly, overwhelmingly off the charts, victorious, more than conquerors. Can you reimagine yourself as overwhelmingly victorious? I mean, again, this is, this is not Coach Keener's pumping us up today, baby. No, no, I'm just reading the Bible. That's all I'm doing. I'm just telling you what the Bible says about you if you're a Christ follower. That's all. I'm just reading the Bible. What difference would it make in your life if you took that attitude with you every single day of your life? Now, you need to understand that Romans 8.37 is not saying that you're projected to win. We know how most projections go. Pretty suspect. This is not saying you're projected to win someday. This is talking present tense. You are right now huper nikaio. It's not something you're going to attain someday. It's already yours through the victory that Christ won at the cross and the empty tomb. Can you reimagine your life as huper nikaio? Can you do it? I think it's going to be hard. Here's why. It's going to be hard because some of you feel like failures. In fact, can we be honest? You feel like colossal failures. I want to remind you of something. Failure is an event. It's never a person. You say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Keener. Wait a minute now, Pastor I have failed at everything. I have failed at marriage. <laughs> I have failed in business. I have failed in friendships. I have failed financially. I am a loser. I am a failure. No, no, no. Failure is an event. Never a person. If you're in Jesus, you're Huper Nikaio. More than a conqueror. If you can grab a hold of that, I believe it will give you a vision, not just for your present, but for your future that is far greater than any failure you may have experienced. And here's the final one today. Number eight, I reimagine the truth that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Look with me at the last two verses in chapter eight. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoa, can you see why I call this chapter the Mount Everest of the Bible? It begins with no more condemnation and it ends with nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It just doesn't get much better than that. This is, this is an amazing chapter. And I suppose, of all the things it says, 
that this one is perhaps the greatest promise of all. And yet, as a pastor, I meet people regularly who have trouble believing this. Maybe they were abandoned by their parents when they were really young. Maybe an authority figure let them down, and they're now projecting that on God, and they have trouble believing that love could ever be unconditional because the only love they've ever experienced has been super conditional. Maybe I'm talking to people today that someone in your life that was supposed to love you forever, at least that's what they said, boy, you found out that wasn't true at all. They left you high and dry. And maybe you don't want to risk loving again because the pain is just too great. Can I just blow your mind? Here's the deal. God knows everything about you, and he loves you anyway. He said, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pat. You mean he knows what I did back in college? Yeah, he knows all about that, every detail. Oh, no, oh, time out, Pastor. Would you... I think you're exaggerating there. Listen, you mean God knows that boneheaded move I made last week? Yeah, he really knows all about that. And here's the mind blower. He loves you anyway. Does he like everything you do? I didn't say that. He sure doesn't like everything I do. But God loves us Anyway, and maybe you need to reimagine what it would mean for you if you just dared to embrace that, this promise from God. You see, here's here's what it would mean. You'd be able to take some risk, some appropriate risk in your life, because it doesn't matter if people reject you or turn away or don't like you or don't approve, because it's God's opinion That really matters. And he's going to keep on loving you no matter what. That's a game changer. So can you kind of see now why I dwell on these every single week? These eight truths have radically changed my life, and I think they'll change yours as well. But some of you are saying, but Pastor Rex, my yard still needs to be mowed. Pastor, my child is still not sleeping through the night. Pastor Rex, tomorrow morning, I have to go to work and work alongside idiots. My spouse, Pastor, is still insensitive to me and loves other things more than he or she loves me. So all of these grand truths, I mean, I'll tell you, they sound wonderful, but they haven't changed my circumstances one iota. So what good are they to me? That's the whole point. While your circumstances may or may not change, God in you means that your story is not over yet. It's still being written. And what you're experiencing right now is not the end of your story. And over time, some of the things that you see as mountains right now, you're going to see as molehills later because the power that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. Impossible. No, Jesus came to make the impossible possible. He came to make it a reality for you. So here's the bottom line as we close. What a series this is gonna be. We're gonna learn, we're gonna grow together. God's gonna open our hearts up 
to go further for him than we've ever gone before. Oh, he loves us so much. You don't have to settle for a life that is powerless and pointless if you're just willing, by his grace, to reimagine your life. As I close, I just want to tell you this. If it weren't for these truths, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being melodramatic. If it weren't for these truths and the fact that I dwell on them every single week, I honestly believe I would be in a fetal position. Yeah, I would. Because life is hard. Jesus never said it would be easy. But when you see the promises God has made, when you dwell on what he said about you, when you can reimagine these truths and what they mean, listen, your life can be what you never dreamed it would be. May we pray together? Father, thank you. Thank you for the incredible, unconditional love you have for us, for all that you've accomplished for us in your atoning death on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. Thank you that you had the brilliant, amazing, mind-boggling idea of actually living inside of your people. That is a game changer. We want to live in the reality of that. So help us today. Help us this month. Help us to access that power. And I pray that you would open up whole new vistas for us that we never dreamed. And we will give you glory. and We will praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.